Um, I think my, my feeling about audiences and what they want out of festivals and events is probably that they want them uh, smaller and more specifically tailored to their interests and the interests of a peer group. Hello, and welcome back to Join the Dots, a series from CORE that explores creativity, collaboration and connection. I'm Mae Festlin, and I'm joined once again by my trusty co-host, Finian Murphy. Finian, how's it going? Trusty, I like that. Yeah. Um, it's going very well. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those weeks where the sun is popping out behind the yep. clouds and then disappearing, but it does feel like we're coming into a good spring and summer. Summer vibes, isn't it? Big time. Yeah, and um, I suppose we're on the countdown to uh, when tents are popping up in fields and lots of festivals are occurring. You've got tickets to some stuff, haven't you? Uh, we have tickets for All Together now, which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, I will be with two small children, so we'll see how that plays oh, out. lovely. Um, Bring in the hmm. fam. Um, but we'll also see about maybe getting along to an adult-only festival. That sounds weird. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we, we thought, Maeve, that we would speak to um, somebody about putting together festivals on today's yeah. episode. Yeah, so we're joined in this episode by Nisha Nunn, who um, curates the excellent minefield section of Electric Picnic. The kind of place that I've often found myself on kind of like the Saturday or Sunday afternoon, just kind of like chilling out, relaxing, sitting in the sun and kind of seeing maybe artists and authors and stuff that I wouldn't necessarily plan to see over the weekend. It's always kind of feels like a lovely surprise area. Yeah, it's definitely um, a favourite of mine. It's a mind opener. Um, yeah. yeah, when you're in that hazy phase of the festival and you come across maybe a piece of theatre or a spoken word or a conversation that's taking place, it's always a good space. He also, throughout the year, he runs um, many other yeah. festivals, um, mixing, I suppose, stuff like comedy and politics and economics, which can all sound very boring on their own, but he's got a good grasp at bringing together those different areas um, and just yeah kind of getting you thinking about stuff so we are joined by um a person who has uh, we've just established um before chat before hitting record uh, three decades of experience uh, producing curating um amazing festivals um around the country and abroad i think as well uh uh, Nisha Nunn, um, who is the program director of Kilconomics, uh, founder and director of Minefield, a great part of Electric Picnic since 2006. Um, he is uh, the director of the Bram Stoker Festival, Kilkenny Animated, and also um, the Library of Progress at uh, Body and Soul Festival, amongst many other things. Nisha, thanks so for joining us. Yeah, pleasure. So we're going to talk today about creativity, collaboration, and connection. Um, let's go back then to that first experience where you uh, started creating these events or moments. Um, you mentioned 1992 to me before we hit record. Hey, yeah, uh, I wasn't creating anything then. I was, I was actually in a play, mind you, called the the Miser by Moliere, which is part of the Irish Student Drama Festival. I was in Queen's University in Belfast at the time. Uh, and I kind of joined the gang. I was part of the cast, uh, for which we won a few awards, actually. And uh, Queen's did very well that year. Uh, and it was also the same year that Trinity did, uh, I think, second best to Queen's that year 
uh, and the winner of Best Actor was Mario Rosenstock. Uh, and and so there were others, but Colin Murphy, who's a comedian and an actor, uh, was also uh, on in in a couple of shows. But it was brilliant um, immersion into festival life kind of working as the in, like in the cast of a play and then but also working with the with the uh, helping out with the administration and the the running of the festival itself uh, which we were hosting in queens and that's kind of when i first got the the bug really uh, and it went on from there and kind of the next thing was the cat laughs comedy festival in kilkenny um which i missed out on the first year of in 95 but I met up with uh, Richard Cook and Lynn Cahill and Michael McCarthy who were the co-founders of it later that year in 95 and then started working on it from 96 onwards and kind of on and off since. And I'm actually working on it again this year. Um, tell tell us a little bit then about what does the role entail? Like, give us a description, I suppose, as you set out that project, what's involved um, in putting something like that together. Um, I suppose the starting point of of these projects of festivals in general is uh, who first who's putting it on. You know, are, are we are we doing it on a contract a contract basis of which we've done quite a few recently. So there's kind of uh, um, they're kind of gov- government or semi state actors uh, who are who you know who tender for festival. Pr- curation and production services so for example the the bram stoker festival uh is one example which maria my wife takes the lead on um that can be the starting point or it's a an, you know or it's an idea which which i initiate or which we initiate and then the next the next stage is you know kind of why and then the next stage is who's going to pay for it and how um and then you know but i suppose the creativity or the the idea can come at any stage, really, it's usually it's usually the first. If it's something you're initiating yourself, it's the first thing that comes up. Um, if you're tendering for to to produce a festival, um, the creativity is really important as well because, the, in in most cases, what the tendering party is looking for that differentiates between competing tenders is the creative vision um, that that comes that comes about. So it's coming up with brilliant ideas. With the, ideas that we think are brilliant um to pitch into the mix and say look this is why you should pick us not not just because we you know or not because we're the cheapest or not you know not necessarily because we're the cheapest but because we have the best ideas and i suppose as well over those 25 30 years of you putting this together the the punter has expected something new probably every year, every festival season. There's a novelty approach to many, as well as consistent kind of quality that exists. Um, have you seen, I suppose, an evolution of the festival experience um, from um, a member of the public's perspective as well? Yeah, there certainly has been. I mean, I, and also I'd like to think that we, we're kind of taste makers a little bit as well. You know, I mean... So minefield, which is kind of the longest, the longest running really of, of things that I kind of initiated, um, which came about from John Reynolds asking me to put together a Leviathan tent. We'd been doing the Leviathan political cabaret for a while, but asked asked us to put a put together a tent for for electric picnic in two thousand and six, which was only the it was the third the third electric picnic. And so put together a program of kind of political cabaret and literature and debates and 
um, spoken word and poetry and all that kind of thing. And it was in one tent just outside the entrance to the body and soul area. Uh, and there were literally tents uh, pitched right up to the back of our tent. Um, and it was the first example, as David McWilliams pointed out, as he was hosting that old phrase about being inside the tent pissing out or in, outside the tent pissing in. There were actually people outside the tent pissing in. Um, <laughs> that one. But then that, that kind of grew. Uh, the popularity grew. There was We we decided to put something on, and rather than... Um, rather than appeal to a lowest common denominator, invited people to um, aspire to a highest common denominator. So, you know, in terms of being at a being at a music festival, being at an arts festival, we wanted to put stuff on that challenged people a little bit. And and it took a while for, for it to kind of to catch on, really. You know, and you're kind of you're there scratching your head and looking at um, looking at people kind of come in and dribs and drabs and wonder, you know, is this is this really a bit of a mistake? Uh, and then it, you know, it 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 proves to be really really successful and ends up being, you know, a really core part of the festival, um, particularly for for a kind of um, for for the old for the older festival goer, you know, the who aren't using it as a as a kind of a a teenage or post school kind of rite of passage. Yeah, I mean, it definitely became a, a destination, and I resent your fact that it was for the older festival goer uh, because I've many times wandered in there by accident, admittedly, um, but spent a, a good hour or two enjoying what's going on. So, for our listeners, describe um, what type of tents do we find in Minefield? Um, well, I was going to say last year, but of course, it's only back this year. So, yeah. what kind of variety do we have? 2019 was the last one, yeah, and as. Patrick Frayne in the Irish Times memorably said, now he claims that this was a result of an interview and not something that he made up himself and you have to trust his um, journalistic credentials on this. But he, in, in, an, in a piece in the Irish Times, he said, talking to some young person, he said, oh, we're going to Minefield. And he said, oh, that's the old people zoo. <laughs> so uh, uh, in 2019, we had, so we had a podcast stage, which is by far the most popular stage now uh and we had a good kind of cross-section of kind of lifestyle and sport and politics and blind boy and 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 all the rest and that 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 was just so hugely popular that we've had to bring in a a much bigger tent this year so that's going to be the biggest tent there there'll be a separate theater stage as well um and then we have a stage called manifesto which is basically um talk to people about writing so not just about uh fiction and non-fiction books but also scripts for tv and scripts for film and all of that kind of thing because the writing you know just because the writing process is so fascinating and what people are engaging in writing uh to a much greater degree in uh in what they watch on television as in as as much as what they uh what they read in books and on on kindles and so on um there would be the leviathan stage which would be political uh, conversations and history we'll have a science stage called human lab which is funded by science foundation ireland um and which kind of follows up the uh the late lamented science gallery uh, who used to have a stage in in minefield there's also marty mulligan's um word stage which is hip-hop beats and rhymes uh and then as i said there's a there's a theater stage but it's not the theater stage as has been in the past it's a it's a new um uh, kind of almost in the round kind of horseshoe shaped theatre stage which is a very big capacity as well so the two biggest 
venues will be the uh, the podcast stage and the new theatre stage and the new location will be up where we started back in 2006 beside Body and Soul. So it's a new new location on site as well. Lots to look forward to. Um, and you're the ringmaster in the centre of all of this. Um, and I suppose with that diversity of, of different groups, talk to us a little bit around collaboration. Um, how, how do you manage that yourself in terms of your approach to working with others um, what learnings have you taken over the years um, and are there, can there be pitfalls and how do you kind of minimize uh, those challenges as well uh, yeah I mean like a lot of it is just serendipity you know it's it's meeting people running into people having conversations and I'm so looking forward to doing an awful lot more of that there's been so little over two years and it's just not something that happens organically on zooms and on phone calls and so on a little bit more on phone calls but not on zooms really um and it just happens in person uh and you and you meet people and you talk about what you're interested in and what you're observing and what your insights are into life and so on and how how you might work together um and and partly it comes from observing what's happening as well like i i, I use twitter as a big news feed and I follow, you know, good few for like three, four thousand accounts. So you're kind of looking at a kind of broad range of society and just looking at what people are talking about and what ideas are coming through and what people are reading and uh, all of that kind of thing. And, and you kind of go and a certain number of people you go and seek out for collaboration. So it's it's a little bit people that you meet by chance and introductions from friends. A little bit you go looking for people. Um, uh, and then there's, I suppose, in terms of pitfalls, uh, there can be a tendency to kind of, um, which is the flip, the flip side of the of the of the, the the you know the good side of loyalty is is the fact that you you know there's a tendency to work with continue to work with people on an ongoing basis where uh, where that doesn't leave. Um, the capacity to kind of to shake things up a bit and introduce new people and so on. So you've always got to have that kind of balance in programming in any any festivals uh, or any kind of creative output um, that you have that balance between, um, uh, you know, the kind of old favourites and loyal uh, collaborators and bringing in fresh new faces and fresh ideas and so on you know it's a little like the footballing analogy you know you've got you've got your you've got your old war horses and and your uh you know your new new fancy players your yeah i mean your your point in serendipity is 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 so interesting but i think we often forget of the kind of and it's it's a paradox to say the engineering of serendipity as well um and how you can get the right often odd people in a room together and then something forms from it so I, i've always and i've yet to be down when i'm committing to it uh we're, we're going to kill economics tell us about kill economics how that came about because bringing comedy and economics together sounds not only like a nightmare but just a bizarre thought in the first place yeah, I mean, it's something we'd, we'd been doing. Uh, I set up Leviathan with the political cabaret in 2003. And the idea of that really was to, was, was to, you know, create something like the kind of the, you know, the, the cabaret environment of Berlin or Paris in the, in the interwar years and to have that mix of music and politics and comedy and satire. Um, 
and kind of based around a panel discussion and then some stand-up comedy and music and so on. So that was kind of the rough idea to start with. And uh, David McWilliams was among the earliest hosts. We also had Eamon Dunphy and Darrow Breen and Des Bishop and various other people. Um, but David McWilliams became the, the regular host from back in 2003. Um, and I suppose that that uh, that gave us a notion of the 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 importance and the popularity of just having that um, that pub, public conversation, um, you know, before it was uh, either profitable or popular. Uh, it's 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 at, at various stages been neither of those things, but it's um, I don't know it happened by accident. I guess I mean it was a notion to start with, and we saw it would work. And there were plenty of nights where it was, you know, there were there weren't many people in and we didn't make a lot of money out of it. Um, and we covered our costs a lot, but not always. Um, but it's, it, it appeared to kind of begin to be something of a kind of a, a civic service and, Mm -hmm. um, something that was just a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and it kind of led on to electric picnic and, and in some ways it led, it led on to, um, to kill economics as well. You know, that mix of, um, having, you know, serious conversation, conversation leavened or lightened by, um, by satire and comedy and music, and uh, it just made for, um, a more kind of all-encompassing, kind of entertaining evening as well as enlightening. You know. Yeah, I suppose the 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 role there as well of making areas or topics that are accessible to people that that people should be part of in terms of the conversation and and not only being informed but informing that conversation as well so the role i suppose of of creating an inclusive environment um you know a group of diverse thinking thinkers as well has that become more and more of a, an important issue for you as you you create it has yeah i mean i I'd, I'd look with some kind of embarrassment back on early lineups of of leviathans that we did with um with how you know, male, stale and pale they were, you know, uh, and, and I certainly wouldn't do it now um, and shouldn't have done it then either. But I mean, you know, it, it's it's with, you know, with the with the with the amount of kind of conversation and discourse there is on the importance of having, you know, all voices represented for it to be a genuine kind of public, valuable public conversation. You really just need to have um you know, a, a diversity of, of views and and uh, and voices and faces in the mix. You know that you know you need to have gender diversity in as much as possible, and likewise diversity in in uh, in ethnicity as well. You know, um, and and sometimes that 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 can be you know a tricky task. You know that you, 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 uh, but but the effort is worthwhile. You know, it really is because it's about visit. It's about visibility. You know. Um, I've done, we did, we did two kind of mini festivals, micro festivals um, with the OPW uh, as part of the live performance support scheme last autumn. So we did two shows and two one day festivals in Emo Court, Walled Garden in uh, County Leash and another one in Donnerail, uh, Walled Garden down in County Cork. And it was a mix of of art installations and bands and music and also spoken word. And I put a... Uh, quite a heavy emphasis emphasis in the program on having travelers involved um talking about traveler issues politics and society but also um but also performers you know po- poets and singers and comedians 
um, so that they're there, you know, integrated into the into the program. Uh, and I'd like to see that done an awful lot more uh, without without a, without its virtue uh, or uh, without its virtue being signaled, you know, that you're you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And because, you know, visibility, even when it's disproportionate to the proportion of the population of people who are from one community or another, uh, it's important every now and again to 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 redress the balance, you know, yeah. in terms of waiting. And the audience gets new stories and new experiences yeah. to to hear about, so it's it's much more interesting. Um, we'll finish on on this one for you. So, um, we also we always end on connections, and you've talked about connections between uh, people and how projects have come together. So let's just look to the future then. Um, as we come out of the past two years, what do you think the audience wants to connect with? And um, I think we'll, there's obviously a desire, and, and while many people are still a little bit hesitant in getting it back into the big crowds, what do you expect audience members to want to connect with over the next couple of years? Um, I think my, my feeling ab- about audiences and what they want out of festivals and events is probably that they want them uh, smaller and more specifically tailored to their interests and the interests of a peer group so they're less likely to um, be attracted by big generalist events and be more attracted by to to specific things like you know like kilkenomics like kilkenny animated like events that have a specific central theme um there's a really interesting one in the UK called Blue Dot, which is at Jodrell Bank, the the radio telescope site in in England, and and it's a it's a great mix of music, um, and spoken word stuff. But the spoken word stuff is all you know is all science based, you know. So it's a kind of a science and music festival. So I expect to see an awful lot more of that, and I think people will want to go to more of those because they'll be with their tribe, with their people, um. And it's less of a generalist kind of camellia that there's a, there's, you know, they'll feel, people will feel that they're coming away or want to come away from an event having, you know, feeling fulfilled in terms of their intellectual curiosity and their connections with other people who have similar interests. Uh, and I think, I think we'll see an awful lot more of that. Um, uh, and, and so I think festivals are going to get at, at, at the kind of at the level that we're interested in anyway, are going to get smaller and more specific, um, and uh, uh, and and the, there will still be those big general, um, you know, multi arts and music festivals, but they'll be more and more kind of geared towards um, people who are marking a rite of passage, really, you know, from from you know from turning 18 or turning 21 or you know getting getting their first festival experience in and i think um it's likely that the older older audience will will migrate to more specific stuff and kind of demand you know better better conditions and uh, better facilities and uh, and 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 you know be more and more concerned with with their uh, environmental sustainability as well well, Nisha, we look forward to those tents popping up over the summer and uh, thanks for creating all the great events and uh, thanks for joining us on Join the Dots. No so there you go. I hope you enjoyed uh, that chat with Nisha, Maeve. It was great. And it really brings me back. Like It's a while since I did a proper all-in weekend festival and... 
God, they're just great, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, you just, like, not only do you hear great music or you hear great talks, but you also just have those, like, meetups with people, which is yeah. always good. What did you take from his, his chat? Um, you know, I really like the sound of kind of the rise of the niche festival. And maybe it's because I'm a little bit older. I have a child now. So, I mean, maybe my electric picnic days are a little bit behind me. Not saying I'll never go again, but... You know, that space festival he mentioned, like where everyone just gets together and nerds out over their love of space. And I don't know, kind of intimate and small and um, bespoke and focus on one thing. But that kind of really yeah. appeals to me. And I think as my daughter gets older, that could be a really fun thing to do together. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's it's admitting that you're not into everything, but that you're into certain things. So um, that's definitely an interesting area that he pointed out. And um, I also, I think you know knowing Nisha as well his understanding about how he operates in terms of uh working with others and collaborating you know he he talked about you know just when he's producing something the spontaneity of ideas and people coming together uh, and creating a space for that I think it's really really crucial when you're working on anything so like it's something that I'm always thinking about leaving a bit of space uh, when you're working on a project for something just to kick off and see what happens and um, you know he's been very um, effective I suppose at creating ideas that you'd never have thought about before mm-hmm. like as we spoke about comedy and economics you know who would have thought it uh, it's a festival that people love going down to in Kilkenny so yeah very much enjoy that conversation with Nisha and we will um, look forward to all of those festivals uh, in the near future so on every episode of Join the Dots we also speak to a fellow core employee about a creative endeavour they get up to outside of office hours this episode I caught up with my lovely colleague Jenny Dillon about a very delicious side hustle she has going on okay Jenny Dillon hello how are you hi Maeve thanks for having me Thank you. Can you tell me a little bit about Genuinely Jenny's Baking Kids, your adorable side hustle and how it got started? Yeah, perfect. Um, So obviously it was an idea I've always had. I've always been interested in baking. Um, And I was thinking during lockdown, obviously with not much to do in the evenings, what could I be doing that is a hobby and that I'm already interested in? Um, I think advice to date has always been like, do something you love and you'll do great. Um, so baking is definitely one of my kind of hobbies outside of work. Um, not that I'm saying I'm particularly good at it, but so that's where kind of genuine Jenny came from was what is the part of baking that I like the most? And my favorite bit is going to the shop, buying all the ingredients, laying them out on the counter. What follows is usually a messy kitchen and, you know, the bake might turn out well or not, but my favorite bit and kind of that gives me the spark is having them all laid out. So I was thinking, how would I put that into a box for people that when they open it, it all looks pretty and they're ready to get started. So it's what it is, is um, baking kits that have pre-measured ingredients um, in the different bags. You can buy the kitchenware needed. So like cupcake tins or, or loaf, uh, loaf tins. And then you can also add an additional gift like a tea towel, oven glove or an apron just to make it a full package kind of yeah. present to yourself or to someone else. So cute. And yeah, it would make a lovely gift. And I love that you took the bit that you like and that you're passionate about from baking yeah. and made that work for you. 
yeah, so smart. I call it out actually in the postcard. I say that, you know, this is the part I like. What follows? Who knows? It's up to you. You know, that way it's kind of, it's up to the person if the bake goes well or not, or if they yeah, enjoy yeah. that part of it. But it's more just the the gifting of all the bits together. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so over lockdown then, it went from this little thing you started doing into, like you have a gorgeous website now. Um, yeah. some lovely branding. How did all of that kind of stuff come about? Yeah, so I mean, I thought it would just be, I might just start posting things on Instagram and see how it goes and yeah. people could DM me if they wanted to. But the more I looked into it, um, there's this whole thing called the, the no code revolution, I suppose, that's helping startups create a business overnight. Um, so it's you don't need a, kind of a coding professional to create your website. So I just very much tested out a few sites. I, I tested out Wix um, and I tested out Breezy. So my site is built using Breezy. And honestly, within two days, I had it up and running. Um, You're like an ad for Breezy. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool, though. Yeah. And then I tried out Shopify. So I got that in as well. Um, And it was just so much more easier than I thought. So I think the website is just, I personally like going to an Instagram page and seeing a website. I just Mm -hmm. find it more kind of legit. And and you're probably a little bit more reluctant to DM people. Um, So I just think the website's really helpful, has been helpful with sales to date. That's so like very true. I think that what puts people off, especially if you have a kind of a creative project or endeavor going on, mm-hmm. like the thoughts of building a website or having someone build it, like that's really intimidating if you're not yeah. into that kind of thing, which loads of people aren't. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even from a payments thing, it's more legit as well, having kind of a, yeah. a site that you can pay through rather than revolute me. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels a bit more authentic. Exactly. Yeah. Trustworthy. yeah, that's true. Um, but from a creative perspective, like coming up with the website and the look and feel um I was going for a very I thought my initial um my initial thought process was how can I make this as bold and as attractive and you know Mm -hmm. thumb stopping as we all say um but the more I looked into it actually kind of the simpler and cleaner brands do really Mm -hmm. well um so I had to pair back my kind of whole design look and feel to two brand colors um which is kind of a turquoise and a very light pink um and same with the recipes. Like I, I chatted to lots of friends and family and did a bit of research. And I was thinking these American over the top recipes would be the way to go. And that would be really Instagrammable. But all of the research came back that I don't know if it's just the Irish market really wanted the the simple lemon drizzle cake, the simple chocolate fondant and all the mm-hmm. over the top desserts weren't actually the, the top um, selection. So. so you did your homework. Yeah. So, yeah, my initial my initial idea definitely got paired paired back and I think you know thankfully I did listen to the people around me on on what they were saying so it sounds quite I know it's your it's your um project but it sounds pretty collaborative in terms of like friends and family and stuff kind of feeding in and giving you a dig out around certain areas yeah absolutely and I mean I think people enjoyed it It, it, you know it's Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just an Irish thing but People are very modest when they try to do things a little bit outside of the box. But so all of my friends and family loved taking my little quizzes and um, yeah. I was keeping track of it, like on an Excel, what people were saying. And I think like I know everyone should have a target audience, but mine is kind of everyone. Um, okay. If you're buying for a child, they work for them. If you're buying for an, like an elderly person. So I was asking my 80 year old godmother what she'd like. Mm. And I was asking friends from college um, and people with kids so yeah of course yeah yeah Yeah. and then in terms of the people who are 
buying the product it's it's obviously coming through your Instagram account I think you said yeah um, so that's where I mostly like have a following I think I have like 500 people at the moment um which is great and then uh they they can link through my Instagram to my website um so right okay. kind of two channels I'm using and have you any sort of in terms of connection to that audience is there any sort of feedback coming through or like a kind of a relationship developing between you and the buyer I suppose after you've made you've sold the product um so I do always direct message them anyway and say you know I've seen your your order come through thanks so much um and I usually have like a little note about how you just delighted I am um so it's kind of personalized a little bit that way um what I've noticed on my Instagram is and I need to be posting more it's definitely been something I need to do more of but um the posts that do really well are the personal side of the story. Um, so like I posted a, a picture of me as a baby um, with chocolate all over my face. With the little and hat I, on, right? Yeah. 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 I said, um, big dreams usually have small beginnings. Um, oh. So and that post got so many likes and comments mm-hmm. and stuff just because they could see the kind of human side of the business. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why even with the name Genuinely Jenny, um, I wanted to kind of create something that I could be part of as well and put a face to it, um, which I think Irish people definitely like as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, congratulations. It's amazing. It's, <clears throat> it's beautiful. And it's genuinelyjenny.ie if anybody wants to have a look. Um, yeah. And make it just... yeah. Thank you so and much we for do talking to us. make-alongs if anyone wants something. Oh, <laughs> ding <laughs> Nice. Thanks a million, Jenny. Perfect. Thanks, mate. Best of luck with it. Bye. Bye. Well, similar to uh, our first episode with Johnny and his Delicious Sticks project, I am now starving after yeah. hearing that from Jenny. So thanks for bringing that to me, Maeve. Yeah. Just saying, Jenny, if you want to make any drop-offs into the office, Binion and I would be only too happy to yeah. give him a good home. Um, but uh, thank you very much for taking that time with us, Jenny. And also thank you, Tanisha Nunn, for talking to us about uh, festivals, uh, which we all look forward to. Great app all around. Um, Tune in next time where we will speak to another interesting two people um, around how they approach creativity, collaboration and connection. We will see you then. Take care. Bye bye.